Um, hello and welcome to our first po- podcast for the North Melbourne Big Footy Board. I'm Kangaroos Forever. And today with me I have Nate Seven and Quiver. And later we'll have Sir Swans from the Sydney Board who will kindly discuss this week's game with us. Hello guys, how's it going? It's going good, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um... Before we get too deep into the podcast, I thought it would be a good idea for our listeners to get to know our podcasters a little bit. So I would ask you both in brief terms why you started following the AFL and in particular North Melbourne. Nate? Well, first of all, um, I mean, I was born in the early 90s and I, I didn't have a choice. Um, my godfather at the time was, was the club doctor at, at North, um, a life member of the then BFL. Uh, and well, I had no say in the matter. And one of his relatives was a senior player at North Melbourne, so uh, it was follow North Melbourne or don't follow the AFL. Um, and that's how it became to be a, a, a North follower. I never had a second team, even though it was you know pushed upon me in school. How did I come to big footy? Was uh, well, a couple of years ago. I sort of I, I googled a few things, and the first thread I came across was someone saying I'm going to hold court for you but Scotty Wiper have a crack at the umpires and I was a bit of a leer I sort of I, I watched the North through for about six months and then got involved in around August of that year and I haven't looked back um, that's sort of that's the long and the short of my story what about you Quiff what, what's what's your story uh, my story is pretty basic really. yeah, my old man been a boss for all his life I guess Came from Scotland, followed the Rangers there, Collins, Blue, Lower, Lee. So, the blue and white team in there, Melbourne, and I'm coming off, and some of these players just got steps in, uh, stuck with North also. Oh, interesting. I, I'm, I'm a bit funny with mine. I, I, I started following North when they started, they had a few home games, so to speak, at the SCG. Nice. Being just born and bred in New South Wales, I decided to go to one of the games, and, um, well, yeah, I just fell in love with North. I just loved the way they went about it. And, uh, my favourite player was Stevens. He was just, he was a great player for me. Um, yeah, it was, it was great after 1999 Premiership. It really cemented my love for North. Well, hopefully that provides a bit, our listeners with a bit of an insight about your hosts. Um, it's been a few issues over the past few weeks I thought we could discuss. Um, two in particular. First, the, the issue of racism in the AFL and the billing of Adam Goods and his goal celebration towards some of the Carlton supporters a little while back. So, um, Quiv, I'm interested in getting your thoughts firstly on the celebration and secondly, whether the billing of goods has been driven by racism or something else. But, um, I'm on the against it side, I guess. Um, I, I don't really think um, personally, I'm not a fan of Adam Goods as it is. Uh, just not a fan of him as a person. Well, the person who tries to be in the media and anyway. Don't really buy this whole racism thing either. Um, now, a small minority might be. A lot of other people, I think, just doing because of the way he betrays himself. And a lot of people don't like that. Fair enough. Nate, you got any comments on this? Oh, look, um, you know, I'll, I'll 
of that queer out there and say, look, for the most part, it's not race-based. It's been documented elsewhere. There'll, there'll be some elements of society that will try and connect it with racism. Um, but, with, I mean, without going into politics, I mean, that's, this is going to happen because that's sort of the lowest common denominator sort of stuff. Uh, did I like it? No, not really. Um, there are some aspects of the, the commentating world that will say, um, oh, that he should have warned his opposition beforehand that he was going to do it. Well, he shouldn't have. And the point of a war cry is exactly that, is to, you know, to try and get at your opposition or your opposition supporters. The unfortunate thing being is, you know, tall poppy syndrome in Australia and, and this part of the world is it's going to happen where people just don't like it. And the unfortunate matter is he's an excellent player. He's had some really bad indiscretions on the field. People don't like that. And some of the stuff he gets away with and he's complaining to the umpires. And his finger pointing too. What's, sorry, what was that? Oh, his finger pointing in terms, not so much the incident at the MCG with the young girl, but more so at teammates at times he points his finger going, oh, he should have done this while he's just standing around kind of thing. I suppose people might say it's a bit of a, um, not a football, but one of these sort of modern-day version of, um, you know, it's someone we used to use to sort of stand around hands on hips and doing that sort of thing. Um, look, I think just because he's a well-noted player, and not just on the field, but also off the field, he's in society, um, and people are willing to sort of point the finger and label him, um, and sort of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, I'm going to sit and in the, in the middle ground and say, well, I'm neither here nor there, but that's, I'm just going to play it safe there. Fair enough. I believe people should have the choice to do, but I wouldn't be one of those people. I don't want to waste my time going to sport building. I'd rather sit there and enjoy a pretty good damn fine player. Uh, right, well, what now on to one of the um, issues regarding umpiring on the weekend, and in particular the so-called Lindsay Thomas rule. Um, for those that aren't aware, it's a new interpretation surrounding ducking the head and taking the play on, um, and the umpire is penalising those who take the opportunity to duck the head in order to draw a free kick. Uh, we saw several on the weekend in the North West Coast match of the new interpretation. What are your thoughts of it, guys? Quick, you want to go first? Yeah, um, obviously not a fan of being named after a certain player other than Lindsay Thomas. I think that's a bit, a bit rough. Uh, it's, a, it's a long time coming by this rule that she, she never been issued played ducks as her. She never got the free kick to begin with. So, big shame this rule and hopefully it stands out. Players ducking their heads or dropping their knees or whatever it is they need to do to try and get that head high free kick. How about yourself, mate? What do you think? Yeah, look, yeah, I, I agree there, and I'm just not sure why people have to call it sort of the Lindsay Thomas rule, the thank, or part two. Thank Darcy for um, that one. Sorry, what was that? Oh, thank Darcy for that one. Well, thank you for a lot of things, unfortunately. Um, I mean, what about the other one with obviously Gary Rowan? Why can't we just call that the Gary Rowan rule a couple of years ago? But um, now, Lindsay Thompson, uh, well, he's a bit of a polarising player, a bit of a character, I'm not really a bit of a unique person, to be, you know, to put it nicely, and um, uh, he, 
look, he wants the best of his team. You know, everyone wants the best of him, but I think at times he will he'll really push the envelope. If we want to sort of talk about things and comments, but the actual rule, yeah, look, it, it needs to happen. Um, some people will say, oh, well, the AFL changing rules mid-season. Unfortunately, we have to all get used to the fact that this is something that needs to happen. And when people like or not, a, a rule change mid-season um, has to be pretty bad uh, to come in mid-season. And I, I applaud the AFL for what they've done here. Um, the one thing I will say is the umpires and, and the administration need to be very careful about um, the players ducking their heads into the tackles because there's a difference between putting your head first and then shrugging your shoulders. And I suppose I can, I can do it better with an uh, audio-visual cue rather than just this uh, radio-type view. But um, there is a bit of a fine line. Um, as long as you stamp out the deliberate acts and those support both players in harm play, get rid of that and just you know, focus on really the obvious ones and nail it from there and work forwards, I suppose. Um, but what about you, K4M? What are your views on that? Well, I, I can see it as stopping a lot of potential head injuries. Like, you see Seld every few weeks, you know, get his head cut over him. As much as some people like to see players bleeding on the field, etc., and the March show kind of thing, I, I think I think it's important to have the rule. I don't like things with Thomas being associated with it, but I think it needed to happen, to be honest. Yeah, you're, well, you're right there, and um, I suppose it, it's one of the good things that the AFL have actually done mid-season, if you want to say that they've done on the run, but um, I think that everyone sort of roundly applauds the AFL, whether they like it or not, just for that, and um, they won't say. Fair enough. Uh, okay, which? Oh, we'll move on right on to um, who's hot and who's not from the last Sunday's game, so... Um, so who was hot for North Melbourne was Jack Zebel with 24 disposals, 17 of them contested, uh, 11 clearances, 8 tackles, and he was on the ground for 81% of the game, which is great, because that used to be a major, major issue with him. Um, and I reckon he's gone up a level this year, guys. What do you reckon? Well, I definitely agree he's gone up a level. Um, he's certainly got a consistent about it, which is a really good sign. Said his game time has definitely improved as well, which is another good sign. So hopefully, uh, stays at this level at least, doesn't go backwards. And definitely would love to continue rising though, and uh, see where he goes from here. I'd like to add to that actually, just while you know, in agreement with both of you, he's, he's taken it up and off, but also it's not up and down. And you look at some place and they can be up and really like like mountain peaks in the ocean, just up and down and up and down. He's been up there and kept it up there, almost on a plateau. So that's the best thing that he can do, is sort of keep it relatively consistent uh, as much as he can. And, and that's, you know, the sign of an excellent player, a great player, um, taking a giant leap forward, which is, is, um, he's doing at the moment. So uh, who knows where... I don't quiz. Who was your top five from the weekend? Top five for the weekend, uh, just, just from North or from both teams? Oh, you can do both if you like. Yeah, um, Jack Zeeble was obviously number one. Uh, five. Uh, I'll put Todd Goldstein, you know, Nick, not really, both not there, you know, 
being north and too biased, people have gone seeing the wind just battling big parts of the, the um, air wind. Um, and the big, no, the north board is not a big, uh, doesn't have a huge fan club, but I like Ryan Bassanak's game. He's uh, prosecuted in front for some reason, which I think is a bit unfair. And I've grown up with doing Harvey's game just at his age, continuing doing what he's doing. It's just unbelievable to watch. Yeah, he's a marvel, isn't he? That is. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Him and Fletch, they just kept yeah. going. All right, Nate, um, who didn't impress you on the weekend? Um, I'll tell you what, it, it is tough. Uh, first of all, I, think, I really think I need to go with sort of a, I can't give a top five, uh, and I'm not going to pretend um, to include some Fremantle players because I might be wild, mildly or completely wildly off the mark. But I did go for um, Jack Siebel, um, Missy Higgins, as a lot of the North guys like to call him, and, and J-Mac, J-Mac Miller, who I suppose in, in a way, like a bastard, has been, you get a lot of posts to either hate him or love him. Um, they'd be my top three. I'm not sure why. Harvey was put in the top three for a lot of people who oh well, you know, each to their own, I suppose. And, I mean, I'd rate Goldie far above him on the weekend, but um, I might have missed something. I might, I might have missed a million things. Um, Scotty Thompson, spud for a read on him. Now, people have been saying, what, you know, how about someone on the North Board today? What about some love for the, the defenders? Well, I tell you what, those two are fair to answer for. They've been good in patches and pathetic in other times, probably for the most part. You want my answer for bottom players? Thompson and Pareto. Um, look, I, look, I'll leave it at those two for the moment, but uh, I wouldn't have a clue who else to go for because what I saw was, was to be honest, crap. Well, from the week, just from the weekend, I, I, it was mainly Nahas for me. It was, he, he's had a great year, I reckon. He's, he's throwing his heart out for the team, but pre disposals, it wasn't a super game from him. But I'm glad he's still in the team this week. We are forced to. Yeah, uh, I was a bit worried when he was up to be honest, last year, as it was. Um, very impressed with his first couple of games last year. As you said, he tries his heart out. Whoever stops him from set shots, that Johnny Wilkinson thing he's got going is disturbing. Whatever that is. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the VFL watches. So, Nate, this is your segment. Go ahead. Right. So, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with North Ballarat or do you want to start with uh, Werribee? Uh, Werribee will be good. Thanks, mate. Um, well, look, I mean, at the moment, we've got Werribee first with, um, with Willie and Box Hill. And, um, and for those that don't know, Willie, some years ago, were aligned. Scrabble with them, Western Bulldogs, and they've been, uh, I suppose, split or separate or 
their stand line. Boxer with Hawthorne, um, they this year is not as good, but somehow they're matching it with Werribee. Now, they're, they're equal top or equal first at the moment. Um, now, I've been speaking to a few of the members down at Werribee just, just recently, um, both at the Adelaide Airport, Oval and Chancellor Park, and here at you know, Sandringham and the Ovals. And they all say that Martin and Curry are their two favourite players um, just because they really set the standard. They play consistent, and that's what they want, and they just control their regions. Apart from that, it's Kane Turner is who they really love. They say that Magic Door is their X Factor. Where are we going to be come the end of the year? They will play finals. They might not be top three, but they will be bigger in the last couple of weeks. I guarantee you that I'll actually, I'll put it this way, I'll, I'll say it now. If they don't, I'll sim up in the next I'll just get rid of it. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> at times I've been, I've really thought about it, but it's Michael I have the membership. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I really like it. Um, it is hard, I suppose, when you, when you enter into a, a, a dual thing with, when you've got North Melbourne, who sort of split their alignment with North Ballarat and Werribee. And um, a lot of their members complain about that. And that's where I'll probably now just move on to North Ballarat. Um, it's really unfortunate they sit second last. They're on two wins, so eight points. In a, in a competition of 15 teams, um, they're equal second last with Geelong. Now, Geelong, in the past, have been excellent. This year, uh, well, I'm surprised, you know, they're in the bottom three. Uh, but some changes this week is Warren Stephenson, or Stevenson, what do you want to call him, of formerly of Geelong and some other clubs, he is now possibly out for the rest of the season. And I've got this mail from North Ballarat this afternoon. So Braden Bruce will be shouldering the entire ruck this weekend, which I, mean, I was celebrating last week and saying, oh, this is great, but then I saw how bad it was, and as did some other bears, I watched it, that was really bad for him. And, um, yeah, he kind of yeah, only got, what, three disposals last weekend or something like that. Um, but uh, North Ballarat in the season, they're, going, they're not going to be in the Let's be honest. And I had high pipe hopes for them. We've got a you know, Jake Mullet and Aaron Black in the side from the North North perspective and Ribbon and, and a Shack from the North Ballarat perspective. But they're a very young side. They've lost a lot of key talent and they're in a development phase and a very young development phase. Um, and they've got the best coach for that, Gerald, but it's Gerald, but they're not going to develop them anyway. When a lot of North Melbourne supporters will be asking, when the hell are we getting rid of this North Melbourne alignment? Well, I tell you what, it doesn't sound like it can't come soon enough. And uh, I'm not sure where I stand on this, but um, I'm, I might leave it to you two guys and what you think of it. But um, maybe the sooner the better. But um, you know, I'll cast over to you guys. Well, in terms of creating rain, they're the whole kind of team. Just, we don't, I don't think we have the capital to do it at the moment, the money to do it. I would love love for it to happen, but it just needs to be one slide at the moment, even if it's just worthy for the moment. This small Ballarat thing is just, it's just not beneficial for anyone, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't agree. Um, 
this week's game, which is vitally important for uh, finals chances and how far we go up the ladder or not. Um, so no end for North, basically, and same for Sydney. So Croc, the Croc has decided to back the boys in to get the job done. Uh, so it's a bit interesting. So we're both we're sitting, we are sitting at five wins and five losses with a 34 percentage for a team pushing for finals. We really need to take the step up to take it up to the Swans, who have been very impressive for mine. And their midfield with the likes of Jack, Canterbury, Parker, the forward line of Franklin and Tippett and Koa, they're pretty dangerous, as well as the half-back line with Shaw and Ramsey and Richard all going well. Um, as for some of the stats heading into the game for the Swans, they're a high-disposal team, averaging around 394 disposals a game. And they've won a lot of the games through winning in the contest and rebounding strongly off half-back. That transition from half-back to half-forward is rapid, and that's just hard two-way running with hard tackling as well. With their, they're ranked third in the league for tackles, with an average of 72 compared to the North 63 average. Uh, the Swans are defending well as a team, conceding only 64 points a game, compared to our lovely 95 points conceded on average. Um, some of the key stats for North are clearances. So in terms of clearances and contested footy, North averages 136 contested possessions, which is equal 10th, which isn't great, and 36 clearances a match, compared to the Swan 42 clearances a match and 143 contested possessions, which is third in the comp. So there's not a massive amount of difference in the contested possessions across the league, really. Um, Uncontested possession is also a major strength for the Swans. Um, as I said, the rapid transition from half-back to half-forward is just something I, I do enjoy watching. They're, they're pretty good damn side to watch. Um, the general midfield stats in North aren't inspiring and are a bit concerning. Uh, what are your initial thoughts, Quiv, on the game? This is a particularly bad cross. Quite difficult, uh, especially us coming off a tough game last week into New York City, only on the league into game also against the Suns. Uh, you know, obviously got Tippett, Buddy, Tendon, that forward, you know, that one is not the best four at the moment. Uh, we've got a reasonably slow back line as well, which is going to help us. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very tough match. Uh, hopefully, we um, Nate, I was keen to get your thoughts on the midfield battle, particularly in the inside midfield between Zeebel and Parker and Jack and Kennedy, all these good contested players. How do you see the midfield battle playing out? Well, I think I'll just sort of back up what we said first of all is, I mean, sort of to add my own sort of aspect of this, this, this game, it begins in now, when you've got a team that's really slow, and then coming out of half-back, you've got, I mean, I know you've got a lot of midfield, but I 
leading there is they've got Jane McIntyre and Wright, and at some point they're going to shift through there. I know Wright can sort of, you know, sort of drift forward and kick a few goals, but then it comes down to see what Cunningham swallow. Fuck's sake, Gibson of all bloody players. Um, and I know a lot of you know, the listeners out there will be like standing up and cheering and clapping that I've just said Gibson in that exactly way. And I, I didn't like this. <laughs> First quarter, I think we just need a very good, good start. You can see the intensity. Thomas Nahas working their way up the field, tackling hard, delivering the ball, running hard both ways. And we just need Harvey delivering inside. He needs to play forward as centre to that. And our forwards need to pressure hard. Our back line just needs to hold up against Franklin and Tippett. I'm confident that Paz can negate Tippett somewhat, but Thompson needs to, he needs to rock it. Backside to get on top of Franklin, I tell you. We need to stop the supply, otherwise, it's going to be worse than a freedom again. In terms of the forward line battle, I, I really see Brown, Brown and White need to step up this week. Brown was excellent last week, White was so so, but it's really important. What are your thoughts, Quib, on the forward line, North forward line? Potential. If, if we get a smart weight looking up, Yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing that I'm coming full weight. 
I guess we'll move on to our guest interview. So, Sir Swans, welcome to our first North Melbourne podcast. Um, he's kindly taken the time to have a chat to us about the game on the weekend. Sir Swans, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for allowing me to be on the show. That's all right. Um, so, AFL Grand Finals from last year after smacking us pretty good. Unfortunately, I have to sit there and take it. Um, currently second, sitting second on the ladder with uh, eight wins and a healthy percentage of around 140%. So, have you seen your team's fortunes this year? How do you think we're going? Look, we're going all right. Um, I tried to block out the last game from last year, but thank you for bringing that up. That's all um, right. We started all right. Um, our first weeks were pretty inconsistent. Though we did come out and beat Port Adelaide quite convincingly, but we've been inconsistent in games, and I think round one against Essendon, you might have seen, um, we were asleep for three quarters, ran over the top of them, we were asleep against the Dockers for half, and then the Dogs we were inconsistent against, and since then we've, we've had the good win against Hawthorne, but the last couple of weeks we've basically played witches hats and got away with some pretty average football, um, we've built some guys in the form, we have we've had a pretty charmed run with injuries, and a lot of people in the comp, and we've set our season up relatively well going towards our bye, so been an alright start, so uh, the win against Hawthorne is clearly the highlight of some sort of revenge, though it doesn't really help you much in the end. Yeah, interesting seeing Hawthorne this year. Um, the win last week, what was your thoughts on that, your mod? That was one of the most boring games of football I've ever had to sit through as a, a Swan supporter. We won it in a half, and then it was just really a terrible skill um, session. We were, were lazy and sloppy and I mean you look at our midfield numbers last week I think um, McVay racked up 30 oppositions but he did a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers to strengthen the goal coast and we just mucked around and didn't, didn't. I think the Swans went to sleep again but goal coast still had no one left on the field really so we were, we were lucky we were playing them similar to the week before it was very unimpressive effort really mm. oh, so at least there's a win I suppose um Living in New South Wales, I get to watch a few of your games all the time and free to wear, so oh joy. Um, but what's really struck me is that you have well, contributors all over the ground, that you run two ways, from Richards and the impressive Nick Smith, who I love at North, we'll get him, um, through the midfield of Hanbury, Jack and Parker, Paul Dyer that contains Franklin. Um, the Swans are primed for another finals push. I just wanted to ask you, which players have impressed you from your own side and who has taken that step even further forward? I guess the biggest injection into the side in the last month and a half has been Todd Mitchell. I think in champion data actually rank him as our number one midfielder. Now looking at the rankings and that's freed up a guy like Mark and Jack to push forward a bit and take the pressure off Kennedy and give us another dimension. Um, you'll, you'll see on this weekend he's disposal by foot is very average for an AFL player but he's hands are quite quick and I think they're close to elite elite in this competition by handball. I mean he's not Sam Mitchell yet but he's, he's excellent in there so he's really given us another 
to mention in that side. And, and Isaac Heaney was another one who stood out early, but he's injured, so we won't see him this week. But that's just added a little bit more to our side and, and covered up a few weaknesses that we had. Well, what are those weaknesses? Um, well, I mean, if you look at the, our side against your side on paper, you can see that if, if Brown, Waite, and then even Petrie in that role, he's been playing this year with the fire, then our matchups are pretty thin on the ground. Richards is 32 now, he's a bit slower. Um, Grundy's making a step up and leads our back line, but even he's a bit undersized. And we tend to have Ramby play on the third tour, which um, he's often let him, he's exposed one out. And, and, you know, against a weight or a ground, then we're in trouble on the weekend. And that's what the sides that the leaders tend to do, get it in there quickly, get the ball before it hits the ground. And our, our defence can turn it over a lot, um, especially Reshaw. Turn it over by foot quite a bit. Now, so pressure's the key then, I suppose. I think it'll come down to the midfield battle. Uh, we're not a high clearance side, but our clearance differential is not too bad this year. Um, with a few guys alluded to before, we get a lot of run off half back. If you allow players like Smith and Ramsey and even Layla, who goes underrated, just to push it back there to get easy possessions out of the back line, then they'll feed the midfield all day and we'll, we'll drive it from there. But yeah, if, you, if you can get it in there quickly, expose. Um, I mean, even if you look at our prelim last year, guys had a few possessions, but you got in Petri on, uh, Petri, sorry, on Ted Richards quite quickly on the odd occasion, and he was exposed big time, I thought, which got lucky it happened too much, but if, if you do that, then that's the, the key to the, the North win, I would say. Um, I want to ask you about, you're still having a few little niggling issues with the forward line, I see, with Tippett and Franklin. How do you see... What, what's your fix to that kind of thing? I, I just don't quite gel together. Uh, we're buddies. Buddy. So, I mean, pretty lucky to have you. Um, you, you just get the ball down there. And I think the biggest criticism I would have of our midfield is the delivery into the forward line is, is poor. But, um, fortunately, Franklin, he's, he's someone who hits the ground. He's, he's pretty agile for his size. He doesn't take a lot of marks for a 12 forward, so it doesn't almost doesn't matter to him, whereas Tippett is engaging in these one-on-one, out trying out muscling opponents. He's not using his size, well, he doesn't get on the lead, and he's too stagnant in the board line, and he's not getting opportunity. So it's not to put it all on the midfield, as his form has been poor, but the use of Tippett and the delivery to him has been pretty average. And then, I mean, he's rucking a fair bit of the game. My understanding is he's carrying a bit of a foot injury as well, so I think he's just he's looking as slow as truck out there, he's, he's turning so he's pretty poor. I think the biggest problem he has is he's got that salary attached to him and he doesn't match that. But when he's up to the about, we are a better side. Um, the way to fix it, I think you've got to get Tippett deeper in the board line. Ideally, you're rucking less, but I can't see that happening. But the more he can get back one-on-one with his opponent and actually lead out and get on the chest, I think so. His buddy can push up the ground. He can 50, 60, 70 out, and he's actually the best kick into the forward line, so getting the ball in his hands in the midfield is actually not the worst thing in the world, but Gorgia's improved for himself a bit, but we lack a few crummers as well, so hopefully Gary Rowan or someone like that can get, create a bit of pressure in the forward line, and that's where Mitchell freeing up Jack and Parker to go forward helps as well, so that's probably the solution. Fair enough, yeah, well, yeah, I've noticed that for your crummers, you don't have great ball to your midfielders that provide that extra different dimension to your forward line. Um, I just wanted to kindly just get your thoughts on my mob and what 
if, if have you seen North Melbourne this year? Um, I've watched a few games in North Melbourne, and, and your best is, is quite good. Um, on paper, it looks like it's quite a, a good team, but I bet you're a frustrating side to watch and a frustrating side to tip, but um, you never know what you're going to get. It must be hard to follow sometimes as, as fans, but... Try 2013. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I guess I have a fair bit of respect for what they did last year, and I thought this was the year they would kick on. So I've been a little bit disappointed in some of the some of the games I've seen. I thought even on the weekend, for three quarters, two two matches left to two fewer times. Um, you guys have talked about the work of Zebel and a bit of Goldstein. Goldstein arguably the best ruckman in the competition, and Zebel's just stepped up to the lead. But there's just a few players who seem to come in and out as it suits. And I think like Jared Wade's one of them. Um, you've got Ian Wells. He's out. He's at fancy Sam Reid. Better. <laughs> um, it's just a few players their best is really good and you think well, that, that's great but then they just go missing at times and I think the fact that Mitchell Hanabry McVeigh Parker Kennedy and Jack all ranked up your first ranked midfielder in the champion data points which is evil I think says a lot about the consistency of the two sides but I can, I can see where the potential is there to be good and I can see that it could be a tight game if the right North Melbourne turn up and you make the most of Goldstein's dominance but yeah, they're a pretty good side. Forward line looks dangerous. I like um, being Tasmanian. I like seeing ground in the forward line going well. And I mean, any side that can run over rest and the line and bring them to tears is, is all right by me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah, popular in the North Ward. The rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a good win. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I quite like the soft spot for them in a way. But, yeah, should, hopefully it's a good game. Oh, that sounds right. Hopefully you can get a good, good Saturday night game for once. Without BT. With BT. Yeah. Actually, well, I've got you actually on K4 Ethan Minus from Buddy Mulvin. Sorry, Matt. Yesterday, um, you were talking before about sort of injuries and some of those who might be under a bit of a cloud. And I mean, the sort of well known around late change. I mean, we sort of joke ahead around the late change mark. I think we were, so we're the king of that. Um, I think after uh, someone like the Gold Coast would get everywhere, so on two late changes. Is there anyone from Sydney that you think may or may, might be a late hit or even a late out? Um, whether it be for illness, injury, or even just pure matchups? Uh, well, our travelling emergencies, I believe, uh, he spots in Air Curvis, so details his name, but he won't travel inside. Um, long like his name, he spots is an emergency, and he's one of the quickest players in the draft. I think at all time, actually, in his 3K time trial. So I think they're keen to get his speed in. So it could be a late in, but Longway doesn't normally like to do anything exciting like that. So I can't imagine it happening. Nick Herbis, maybe, because Pike's been looking a bit quick lately, but I can't see it against Goldstein. Pike on the outside. Look, I, I, I can't recall the last time we made a late change, so it's not like horses doing that. Okay, mm, um, Rory, you're up. No, I'm up, I'm <laughs> I was just oh, saying, sorry, Nate, no. have any questions? No, you're right. Um, right. Thank you, Sir Swans, for your time, knowledge, and participating in our first podcast. No worries. Good luck with it all. I look forward to listening to it. Thank you. Um, I'd finally like to thank Nate and Quid for their participation and input into the podcast. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. Um, Nate's been a great help in all my big footy life. Um, 
Um, so all those who helped me setting up the podcast as well with Field Wizard and Field the Mods, um, thank you for listening, and I hope you at least partially enjoyed it. Thank you.